Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaquel Lane and I am your hostess of Education with an Edge podcast, the podcast dedicated to all things youth because we feel that every child matters and you should too. I am so very excited and honored to be here with my friend Itzel Lopez, um, who is a strategic community leader and collaborator with the ability to forge strong and authentic relationships within philanthropy, industry, nonprofits, government, and other key community stakeholders. Itzel is a seasoned fundraiser and offers a strong track record in leading community development projects. Most recently, she organized and led the Latino Economic Development Council's effort to secure over $25 million for South Omaha projects that will drive community growth and contribute to the area's economic vitality. Itzel is a proactive and dedicated leader who also understands the importance of strong women leaders who empower and encourage one another to pursue a rewarding path in life. Itzel is also helping to lead the charge to create better diversity and access to life-changing careers in the region's technology sector. Born and raised in Mexico, Itzel and her family moved to Omaha when she was 12 years old. Welcome, Itzel. Gracias. <laughs> so excited <laughs> to have you here, seriously. As you know, I'm like a huge fan, so... Well, I'm a fan of yours, so likewise. likewise. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. And uh, when you were reading that, I'm like, am I that person? You're yes, that. I yes, am. you are. Girl. Yes, you are. You yeah. are phenomenal. I don't remember when we wrote that, so that's perfect. <laughs> it's like, it's oftentimes, like when you, you, I'm reading someone's biography, like, and, and yours especially, like, you're, you've done so much that I'm like, does it make the other person like tired? Like, are you exhausted? <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh my God, I must have been writing this, you know, yeah. for for something else. And then when I heard you read it, I mean, that's impressive. It and is. I, and, I, and, and you should be proud. That's great. No, yes. I am. And, I, you know, I'm blessed. Yes. And, and that's the truth. Um, every single part of my volunteerism and my community advocacy has been so rewarding. And if it wasn't because I love my community and because I want to see a better community where everyone feels welcome, um, I, I don't think that I would have done that. And so I just find a lot of joy knowing that everything that I'm doing, it's to make our community better. So I love that. And honestly, I was so excited and honored to have made the connection with you. And I have to say, um, in our first initial meeting, like Itzel, you're just someone that breathes so much life into conversation. You leave people feeling better than when they came to you. And so um, I can't wait to see what you have in store for our viewers today um, because it's going to be a great show. And I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. And same, you do the same. And so, yeah, so try, uh, you know, just to reciprocate you know I felt the same and I had been admiring you you know on your digital outlets everywhere you're posting all of that stuff and just thinking wow we have a celebrity in town and and so when I got I was like I almost wanted your autograph so I'm just so privileged as well to to be in the room with you well I I am so very grateful and also I'm so very grateful because this your story stories are impactful and it started clear back when I was an English teacher 
and would see how stories could impact the lives of young people. Um, and obviously this podcast is dedicated to youth, but I think through our stories, like it can impact individuals of all ages. And so you have such an amazing and inspiring story and it needs to be shared. So um, with that being said, I think it's just so essential to start from the beginning to fully understand your remarkable story. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and childhood, Itzel? Absolutely. So as you read, I was born and raised in Mexico. And, you know, growing up, I didn't know what careers uh, were supposed to be a thing. I, I had no idea that people needed to have a career, not just a job. Right. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, talking about youth and, and the importance of giving youth access to a diverse pool of opportunities growing up is important. And really like calling it out, like that's a career. This is a job. This is another career. That's still another job. And so I think um, growing up back, back in Mexico, I saw all these people around me having jobs. And when I reflected on that, yes, they were important because they sustained, right? And they were financially stable job opportunities, but they were in careers. Yes. And, and I think, you know, when we talk about uh, my upbringing, I can relate to a lot of our uh, youth that, you know, lived somewhere else and, and saw a lot around themselves, with jobs. Mm -hmm. And so here we go again. Um, so the importance of, of calling out and, and making sure that our youth, you know, I was a young kid who was pretty smart, but I had to believe that I was smart. Right. right. I was validated. I was smart because my, my, I was very fortunate to have a dad who was an entrepreneur and who, you know, I was the, I'm the oldest of three and I was also very close to my dad. And in that sense, I think that upbringing, the closeness to my dad, him being an entrepreneur and then him validated that I was smart, helped me with that great of just keep going. Yes. And although the circumstances weren't the way that I wanted growing up, I still had a very joyful upbringing. Um, one of the best memories I have growing up too is, you know, our family and the sense of family and supporting each other. And I think that childhood upbringing also uh, resonated now in my, uh, in my journey as I carried on my family the central part of who you are is around your family. Yes, your family may not define you because your choices are your specific choices and they shouldn't define the choices uh, of everyone else. Yet we are a collective and together, you know, we can achieve more. And so my upbringing, again, uh, very entrepreneurial, lots of jobs and not really knowing about I needed a career. And so that's how I start. And now, you know, I mean, talking about young, you know, being young, you know, one of the main stories, too, in my childhood talks about that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, we we ran the farmer's market or we were part of the farmer's market in our community. And math, science and all of that, like the STEM stuff, right? I was surrounded by all of that, yeah. yet not knowing that sure. was STEM. Mm-hmm. 
that was science and that was etc right and so again so the importance of you know being this a children's podcast or a youth podcast not just careers and jobs but what kind of careers and jobs are those where do they fit right and so that was my childhood that was my upbringing a lot of jobs a lot of unknown yet I was around it all the time And I think that that's what I respect the most, and we'll get into what you do now, but alerting young people to the fact that everywhere around them, like the experiences that they are having just in their own backyard, that is STEM, that's science, technology, engineering, and math, or maybe they like to do a certain activity, but they don't know how that's going to correlate into a career one day. And so um, it's so very important, and I know you do a ton of mentoring in the community and things like that, but for young people to see themselves reflected in these fields that are so essential, right? Absolutely. And I think that's why I say that, right? And if other people are listening, it's like, yes, kids are smart. You need to call it what it is when they're young. Yes. yes. (laughs) Like, they'll recognize that. So now, you know, 24 years later, I just recently went to Mexico and I had these conversations with my family. I went back to my grandma's house where I grew up and I was looking around. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was surrounded by, I mean, I had an aha moment. I was like, all of this knowledge, knowing that I could have been or could have done because they didn't know any better. So, you know, yes, our, our parents, um, you know, we have to change the, the general, the, the generational lack of awareness. And also give them, you know, obviously I give my parents a lot of appreciation and gratitude. But, but now it's like accepting as an adult, like they just did not know any better. And so what can we do, right, as community members? And then what can we do as parents who are now aware that these opportunities occur on a day-to-day? How can we alter our future generations? That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Thank you. It was. It was a moment yeah. in my life Yeah. when I reflected. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's a... That's a big discovery, like a big, yeah. big discovery. Like a soul searching. Like, yes. oh my God, I have been doing all of this, yeah. but just no one guided me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that will bring us to kind of our second question is like, who was a mentor in your life growing up and how did they inspire you? Because yeah. you're such an inspiring <laughs> woman. Like you really are. I mean, and the things that you're doing, and I said this to... Um, someone the other day and I'll, and I'll say it to you, like just because we understand also that like the road is not always easy. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But like the trails that you are blazing and the bridges that you are crossing are making a way for other young people just like you yeah, and giving them the confidence to like be the best that they can be. And so like Mm -hmm. when it does get difficult, like just to keep going. Right. And I crossed a lot of bridges. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, um, for context, when I was 12 and we came to the U.S., you know, we were on undocumented family and uh, growing up and trying to Americanize myself, you know, I didn't know I was undocumented until I was ready to apply for FAFSA and go to, and get ready to go to college. And that was one of those things like talking about breaches, like what doesn't kill you make you stronger. And there are other things, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to do in order to achieve, you have to achieve in order to be respected and so forth and all of these things. And um, 
you know, in, in that sense, you know, I, I'm grateful that I had a lot of community mentors and, and some of them were formal mentors, but others were just very informal people that I just looked up to. And for me personally, uh, you know, we, we have a very strong matriarch family. Yes. Uh, my grandmother from my mother's side um, lived with us when I was young and that created a lot of resilience about just health issues and, and access to quality health care. Mm-hmm. And then when I think about, you know, my one of my aunts who's passed away too, who suffered from cancer, like she was an inspiration too. And, you know, a, a super, uh, super strong, like asp- aspiration me growing up and then um my mom of yeah. course you know has been a, a truly inspirational story as well knowing her story how she grew up and then where we're at now and reflecting on that it's been you know a huge mentoring opportunity so super strong woman you know on my mom's side but you know as I learn more about my family's side from my dad's side who's passed away also you know my grandma you know who's 87 now and she's still alive and you know super healthy you know very strong woman who cared for her kids you know not educated but yet very entrepreneurial you know built her wealth on her own and 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 I think that's super admirable right also to see that happen and um so informally, you know, my family have been my mentors, you know, just seeing this woman thrive and, and do great things. Um, in a more formal setting, growing up here in Omaha, um, the first person that lent me a hand was Gina Ponce at Bell University. Of course, she, uh, you know, I have a lot to to say, you know, to be grateful for, uh, for Gina. One, you know, she recognized um, that I had challenges with my immigration status and was able to, um, you know, introduce me to scholarship that then allowed me to get my bachelor's uh, from Bell University. So super grateful for that. Um, Secondly, I think that another main mentor that just influenced my entire life uh, is Marcos Mora. And when I met him, you know, it was during the Cinco de Mayo festivities. And when I was doing that, it was because I was trying to look for a community, right? Yes. I wanted to find, identify a place where I felt like I was home. And in the middle of understanding that my immigration status was going to affect my future, it was like, okay, so what can I do now? And he's the one that got me connected to community engagement. And so, uh, and social responsibility and just being a good steward of our community. And so... So formally, I guess Gina and Marcos, you know, from my very, you know, early college and and then informally my entire matriarch yeah. members. I love that. I love your, I love so many and we love Marcos too. Um, he's amazing and he's been on the, on the program in his story, but in your relaying um, each of the individuals, your grandmother's story. Um, and this just came up to me, A, because I do love this musical, but it's like immigrants, we get the job done from Hamilton, right? And and I would just, um, you know, like to reiterate that, that we're all immigrants um, unless we are indigenous. And so um, it's just phenomenal, like the stories that you say and like your respect and your admiration for your grandmother and like making her own way and, and um making her own money and it's just like inspiring yes and she is such an inspiration that was something like I came back and I was like oh my god I have a grandma you know what I mean and it's like that's great like you know the fact that she now uses a cell phone and I mean there were just a lot of things like 
that weren't in place when I left. And now, you know, like teaching her still and being able to have conversations with her and just learn her stories. Like you said, stories matter. And, and they're such an inspiration for my life. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you are, I mean, at the essence of like who you are. Um, I admire so many things about you, but you are a relationship builder and a community collaborator. Where does this passion stem from? Um, and you, can you tell us a little bit about like some of the impactful relationships that you've built in our community? I know you've talked about like several, but. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, um, when I, when I, when I remember, you know, my high school years and out of reminiscence as well, because now I go back to Omaha South High School and mentor. And, and when I was uh, relating to the young woman there, you know, a story came to my mind that I, you know, I, along other students who had just come to the U.S., you know, looking for that sense of community, we organized our own after-school programs. And uh, one of the after-school programs we put together was the English as a Second Language after-school program. We found sponsors to have a Spanish for Spanish speakers uh, with our Spanish teacher. And, like, we created all these after-school programs just to find a sense of community and just to... You know, because there wasn't anything to do. And and I think, you know, a lot of the youth now at South too still are looking for that. Okay, am I am I Hispanic? Am I Mexican specifically? Or am I, you know, other heritage? And, like, where do I find that? And yeah. where do I find like-minded individuals that share the same values? Mm-hmm. Right? And so so my sense of community collaboration is, I mean, it, I, I'm sure it stemmed from activities in high school yeah. and and obviously you know growing up the school system in Mexico is different so you don't really have after school programs so that that wasn't a thing but in my way of finding my path in this American society that's the way that I started building community it was mm-hmm. at South High and then when you take that now out in the community well with the mentorship of Marcos just really understanding you know, kind of like the Hispanic community and like our growing minority and like really seeing how other kids see themselves and like that sense of like belonging and the sense of like, I have other kids that share tortillas and eat with tortillas at every meal and like finding that and that common, you know, the common thing whatever if it was food if it was music like finding that and then making them feel like they should be proud of that so we build community right and so now uh, you know when I supported Marcos it was just like okay so growing up I will tell him like growing up like I will go to like these fiestas and there will be like pony rides so we should incorporate pony rides and like growing up I will see like obviously food vendors of all of items and all kinds of cuisines like we should have a variety of vendors and so like like he allowed me to like give him more and more of my growing up like going out growing up I will see this and so we should try to implement that because I'm sure other families can relate to that and so that's how that this community organizing began right and like with LEDC when you read that you know it was out of the need of just seeing you know after the pandemic like a lot of oppression, you know, yeah. we, our business district on 24th street hosts a hundred businesses and, and we, you know, a thriving community. So we went from thriving to surviving. Yes. And, and in that sense of surviving, you know, community members like me who reside in the area were like, well, so 
So what can we do to make sure like another restaurant doesn't close or another small boutique doesn't close? Or mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like what can we do when mm -hmm. all of these businesses were just closing, you know, at a very fast pace in Estomaha? And so, uh, you know, like raising awareness that, you know, the the value of our small businesses, you know, in, in Omaha. And well, we were specifically talking about the Hispanic businesses who lack resources and then our shared, you know, immigration stories. Uh, in my case, being undocumented, like not having access to FAFSA when I was growing up, but then also as an adult, like, you know, any, any aid that was provided during COVID was for specific community a specific group of people and not everybody had access yeah. to that whether it was lack of access of of knowing like awareness but or lack of access because they couldn't just get it mm -hmm. right and in in and in many cases um you know this this businesses just survive through their family support yes through yes. the community support yes and so when we formed LEDC it was with that mindset was like, how do we go back from surviving or thriving? Mm -hmm. And what can the community do to make sure, like, the, sm the small business district in South Omaha goes back to thriving? Yes. And that's why we did that. Which is is beautiful. And I was down there first in de Mayo, and I mean, it's back, right? I yes. mean, you guys are back. <laughs> so we are. it's a beautiful thing to see. Um And I'm so excited to see, uh, you know, everything, all of the initiatives that are going to be in place in the future, um, because it's going to impact future generations. And, um, yeah, it's it's just amazing. Um, every year that I've gone to Cinco de Mayo, it gets bigger and better. And yes. there's more awareness. There's more um, focus on a love of culture and family and community. And it's a really beautiful thing to see. Yes, we're so excited to you know, the host, the largest, most diverse festival in the area, you know, that's that's completely free to the community, for the community, for our community to thrive. Yes. And and the impact that our small business receive from this economic drive, um, right, it's like, it's it's so meaningful. It's, it's probably the largest influx of cash they have throughout the year. And And so, yeah, so now, you know, with LEDC, just a little bit before we get into other things, LEDC uh, is at the forefront in in getting some of that systematic and institutional changes that need to happen yes. in order to be at level. And we're just starting, right? But I, one of the projects that we're going to lead is the construction of the, the Latino Economic Development Center and around the Plaza de la Raza and, and really making a, a year-long fiesta, Yes. Right. And so because we, we need to increase tourism in order to maintain the small business, but we really don't want to stop at the small business. We want them to expand their business. They grow out of the, the footprint of, of South 24 and then expand their businesses to other areas of our community. And so we're really excited with the plan and, and look forward to continue to build that community, a community that's given me personally a lot of love. Absolutely. It's impactful, impactful work that I, I'm, I'm so excited and I'm so proud, um, proud um, of you and the committee and, and what you're doing. So, Thank you. Yes. Um, so you are highly motivated to support others on their journey towards cu cultural proficiency. Um, and you've talked so much about like your upbringing and things, but if you could kind of pinpoint like 
you know, where that passion began or what you want, what, what you kind of would like people to know or how they could support, um, knowing more, um, becoming more culturally proficient, um, supporting, um, diverse communities, what would it be? Right. I think, you know, that's, that's a great question. And I really haven't thought it through completely, but I, one of the things that folks in leadership across all sectors mm -hmm. need to do is lend a hand. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means takes, taking risk on someone, Yeah. Right. Someone took a risk on me and my leadership journey is, is not by mistake. Right. Someone intentionally believed in me and said, you're going to do it and we're going to invest in you and we are going to make sure that you are at the table. So that that same reciprocity is what I live for. I notice that there's gaps in people of color in leadership positions. I mean, it's a, it's a fact. And so what can you, audience, what can you tell and other members of our community do to make sure that that's not the same next year, right? Like, what are some stepping stones we need to do to implement a strong leadership program for people of color to rise to the top? We need to start sharing the wealth with others. And so, um, the la again, kind of like what I was saying about the parents, maybe not know, right? Like me growing up, I was surrounded by a lot of jobs. My parents didn't know that I need to pursue a career. I come here, I go to college. They really don't know what, you know, I don't know what to study. I don't know what the hell. You're right. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I'll just go to business because, you know, growing up, it was there was a lot of entrepreneurs. So maybe you don't need a business degree to open a business. And so, but nobody tells you that. Yeah. And so, and at the same time, it's like the same, the same thing that currently exists across all sectors is the same narrative that we're seeing across the entire U.S. and yes. probably in the world, right? Yes. Like, bring women to leadership. Bring people of color to leadership. Let them influence the changes you want to see happen. And lend a hand. And yes, take a risk in them. And then also support them, right? Because yes. they're going to fail. But, you know, they're going to fail forward. And they're going to be more, um, they're going to be more resilient. And that resilience is going to create a culture of boldness. And, and that culture is going to retain talent. And so it's like, You know, it's like all inclusive. Yes. But we all need to do it. Yes. And and if you didn't know that the growing minority is Hispanic, like at this point in your life, like you need to have a strong Hispanic member on your board. You need to have at least, a, you know, a person of color on your leadership team. I mean, you need to be representing the majority. I was reading on NBC's uh, news Uh, published article this morning that talked about that a quarter of today's kids in the public system are already Hispanic descendant yes. across the U.S. Yes. I was like, come on now. What else do people want What for, for just in general to acknowledge that diverse leadership is the route? Yes, exactly. And I think, I mean, I respect so many things about you, but when we first met, um, you are you are a leading example. I mean, you really practice what you preach. I mean, when we first met, you were like, I have, you know, 10 people that I can put you in contact with right now. And I, I mean, and I'm trying to scramble and reciprocate because I'm so, because like, that is a true gift. Like that's a true gift that you are always in the position to lift other, 
to lift others up and connect them um, truly with people that could assist them in getting involved with the community or helping the community in some capacity. And I love what you said. Um, but we know in Omaha as well that by 2025, the Latin A population will actually, um, it, it will surpass the Caucasian population. Like we know that in our schools, in our community. And so um, just with that knowledge, how, how, do we get, how do we get ready and what are we doing? What are we doing um, to educate everyone? What are we doing to maybe step aside and let others have a seat at the table? And sometimes it takes that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm going to... You know, um, if I'm in a in a place of leadership, I'm going to take the time and mentor this individual, like so many of the individuals in your life and so many of the individuals in my life, like that took the time, you know, um, to make a way because you don't always see that in yourself. You don't always see the magic or the capacity um, or the reach that you'll have. And right. it's so important. And you can start in your own family. I think a lot of people, when they t- when they relate mentoring and get, inviting people at the table, they think, well, I'm not in a position I can do that today. No, I think we all have mm-hmm. a position where we can do that at. Yeah. And if you're a dad of a, you know, a young girl, it is your job to tell her that she's capable of. Yes. And that she should aspire to be that CEO. Yes. Right? Like, you can do that as a dad. Yes. <laughs> if you're an uncle of a lot of little girls, you can tell them too. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you thought of a STEM career? Do you know what that means? Okay. What about I introduce you? Why don't you go to lunch with me? They yeah. might be six years old. They might be 10 years old. It will impact their life. Forever. I know what I didn't want to do when I grew up. <laughs> I didn't want to work in the meatpacking plant. Right. So, why is it okay... Right. For for folks to just be okay with what is available Mm -hmm. instead of like going out and exploring that there are more opportunities available and what's available in their neighborhood is not what it's not all that exists. Yes. Yes. And so we need to like take that blindfold off. Yes. And open the access of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was yes. beautifully, beautifully put. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, it is. And speaking of um, science, technology, engineering, and math, um, I mean, you have like such a fascinating story, but can you tell us about your experience in technology, specifically at the AIM Institute? Um, and then tell us like, uh, you do so many things, but tell us a little bit about, uh, tell our viewers a little bit about how you educate others and why it's so important to you. Because technology is a highly male-dominated field. I mean, Absolutely. So, uh, well, a little bit about AIM. The AIM Institute is an an innovative not-for-profit community that grows a strong and diverse tech community. And we do that through three different avenues. We have educational programs for youth all the way to adulthood. We have leadership programs, and that's also available for youth all the way to adulthood. And then we have a lot of outreach programs. And so in the educational arena, we believe in providing access to high-quality, accelerated tech learning experiences that will impact someone's lives. And and specifically the tech, tech careers are what we call an H3 career. High demand, high wage, highly skilled career opportunity. Career opportunity, there we go. And so our belief system is that 
Getting someone in a tech career is a million-dollar decision. Yeah. For those that don't know, a career in technology, on average, will make over a million dollars in the span of 30 years than any other career you pursue. And one of the rewarding things of tech is also that after COVID, a lot of these tech jobs became hybrid, if not completely remote. Which, you know, for a lot of people... This means a lot, yes. right? If you don't have a car and you're able to still maintain your family and you can work from home, why wouldn't you pursue a career in technology? Absolutely. The same thing, you know, if if you have, a, I don't know, if you have a spark in just like learning what these tech careers are, we offer a lot of workshops throughout uh, the state of Nebraska. We're also in Southwest Iowa, where we do workshops around demystifying what tech careers are. Now, AIM has defined tech careers in five specific tracks. We have a data track, an infrastructure. We have a programming, which is also known as coding, a design track, and then a leadership support track. And across all of those five career opportunities in tech, we know that there's a job opportunity for anyone and so you might be a very social person like I am well I'm in tech and I'm on the leadership track and so I get to meet with tech professionals fundraise so that these programs are available to everyone at at no cost and so you know they might not consider me techie but yet I speak and I interfere with a lot of techies and I translate between the non-techie and the techie and so forth and so um that's tech profession right but you know project managers are also tech professionals and there are other um certifications such as scrum masters and other things that also fall under leadership and support but just like that you know we have networking uh careers we have coding careers we have a full stack java full stack web developer certification uh we have python i mean we we got complicated stuff. We have none as complicated stuff. But I guess in the essence, or in short, a career in technology is a million-dollar decision. It's an H3 career in Omaha, or at least in Nebraska. The, the latest I heard is there are still over 2,000 jobs that go unfilled every day in this community. Wow. I didn't I know am, that. And and when I hear that, I'm like, well, there's over 2,000 people with Even. underemployed. Yes, yes. That reside in my neighborhood. So I'm like, okay, so I can find 2,000 people in my own neighborhood to get out of the cycle of poverty into stable job opportunity in tech. Yes. And so that's where I align. Like my values, my ethics align with the mission of the AIM Institute to really end the cycle of poverty, to build generational wealth, to, to raise awareness of these highly in-demand, highly paid, highly skilled job opportunities in technology. And, you know, that's why I love my job, because I get to fundraise so that this uh, education for both youth and adults, you know, it starts with sparking early student interest. And that could be a kid in one of our school programs, or that could be an adult that we just talked to that's underemployed, that's looking for a different career opportunity. Actually, my lunch um, was with a former alumna of ours that took our certifications and, and she was looking for a way to get out of that cycle of poverty because she had, she had just been a stay-at-home mom for a, a minute. And she said, I 
want to seek a divorce. I'm not in a healthy relationship, but I can't do that. I need to find a way to survive on my own. Yes. And she was telling me this story. Like, she looked up in. She got enrolled. We talked to her. We got her going. She took over 100 hours of our training. Got certified. And gave her her first job. We gave her an internship. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the things now, you know, uh, that we also need to change is, you know, give ch- this this lending hand, bringing people to the table is like, Give these career changes an opportunity when they're with the tech workforce. Right. And she was struggling and we knew her story and we gave her an internship just to get that experience that then made her this valuable employee, you know, a woman that then entered the tech workforce and has been in tech now for, you know, four or five years now. And, and her story is just one of many of the stories that we have about these folks who take our classes and then and then join this rewarding job opportunity. And that's life changing, right? Like a single a, a, a single mother that needs to provide for her family. And that's not just life changing for her, but life changing for her for her children and generations to come. Absolutely. Which that's the kind of impactful change that like you are focusing on, but that we all need to be focusing on. Absolutely. Right. That with one hand up, like it can impact, literally have a cyclical effect. Absolutely. I'm leaving it. Um, there are many stories like that. You know, I have a, uh, a very short story about a student who recruited at South who didn't know what, I mean, to do. Yeah. what to do. Her parents were also undocumented. And she was like, well, I don't know. I think I should do, I should do. I, I remember when I first talked to her, she was like, maybe I should be a lawyer because I'm frustrated with this immigration system and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Listen, honey, our immigration system is broken. Yes, yes. Like, we have too many lawyers. There ain't nothing that can be done. It's it's institutional. It's systematic. Mm-hmm. This is at a federal level. Now, I'm not going to burst your bubble. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you want to help your family, you have to acquire wealth. Yes. And tech can do that for you. Yes. And I said, I know that... Sometimes, you know, we're grow, you know, we're we're set with this mindset that if if you grow poor, then you're don't fit the, the the theme of the family. Like and so like we need to break off all of that. We should be proud of the folks that in our family that pursue yes. other career opportunities. Yes. Because why would we want that for our future generations? And so she went on and, and went to the College of IES and T. Got a tech internship, tech job. She bought her house already. Like, she's helping her family. I mean, she's so grateful that we got her introduced. Yeah. And that, um, yeah, that brings that brings a lot of emotion for me because I've taught a lot of students that, you know, that was their, that's just their chance. Like, they just needed a chance. They just needed one person to believe in them. Exactly. They just needed one one opportunity. Um, and as you say, we know that many of our systems are broken. And so um, I just, I can't get over that statistic that there's 2000 jobs that are, that is phenomenal to me. Yeah. And, and that's just in tech, but when you look at it, the STEM <laughs> careers, you know, the, the gap in those jobs that go on field every day because of the lack of awareness and because we're not intentional about building a pipeline. Yeah to get into these stable job opportunities that then become careers and life-changing moments for generations. 
Right? We need to do more of that. Yes. More access. Yes. More awareness. Right. Yes. And so that's how I align to the work that AIM does. And I think that's what gives me goosebumps every day and a motivation to keep going. I love that. Thank you. I mean, just thank you so much for all that you do. But thank you for sharing those stories. Because like I said, stories change lives. They change people's perspectives. Because you can quote facts and statistics all you want. But it's, it's the emotional appeals that I feel are the most impactful. So, Absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I mean, since this podcast is dedicated to youth and mental health awareness, um, but also mentorship and also just, I think, especially back to when we're all young, it's, it's, you've got your whole life ahead of you, which can be difficult to navigate. Right. Um, so is there a piece of advice that you would give to a young person right now? And it can be literally in anything it can be, and I know that that's like broad, but it can be, you know, something inspiring or something short, but is there, is there a piece of advice that you'd like to give to a young person right now? That's kind of trying to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, growing up, so I was picked on a lot, um, because I'm very petite and I have always wore glasses, like ever since I was in kindergarten, I remember wearing glasses. And and so I was teased a lot, like you're like the little ass and you have the four <laughs> eyes and, you know, And but I, I never let that like trigger me. I actually used that as my offense, right? Like I actually enjoyed being made fun of, but, but they, because that gave me like that, that built more resilience. Like I was, I actually, because I didn't get upset and I would laugh at it, like, I would laugh at the jokes instead. I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say to young kids or youth in general, like, there's always going to be someone that's going to pick on you. I mean, I get picked on now. And I'm supposedly an adult that never grew up in size. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. And I even make fun of that. But, like, our young kids and our youth, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes take it too serious. Like, now Relax. I learned that people reflect their weaknesses on others. And so because I didn't care and because I actually enjoy being made fun of, like more people will do it. I will make fun of myself too. And like, I will laugh it up. But then I was like, I always had friends. Like I was always with a lot of people. Yeah. And the more I reflected growing up, like I, I'm, I'm still surrounded with a lot of friendships and true friendships that I just like, I, they know I just want to have fun. Yes. Like at the end of the day, I just want to have fun. Yeah. And you know what? If that means like you can, you guys can say a joke about chore people, <laughs> say it. Like I love making feel people that they can do that with me actually. Yeah. And I tell them, I hope that kids, when, when the kids stand next to me and they say, oh my God, Miss Lopez, like you're so little. And I'm like, I love making you feel so tall. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that people feel so tall again, you know, when they stand <laughs> against me. And, and I guess what I'm saying is like, it's so practical to not look at that as a negative. Yeah. Whatever it is, they might be picking on you because you're wearing the same shoes throughout your entire childhood elementary school years. I don't know. Like, it could be something silly, like you don't have a Nintendo, you don't have the latest iPhone. Like, it could be just anything, honestly. Just don't hone in on it with that seriousness. Yeah. Like, just 
just live your life. People are always going to say something. And everybody has something. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. But instead of attacking, you know, like yes. doing the same thing. Yes. Well, you don't have the... Uh, you don't have that. Like, yes. you know, you could just hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. Like, right. we don't need to do no. that. Like, no. people, just chill. Someone <laughs> just have fun with that. Yeah. So I guess my piece of advice is like, in all seriousness, don't hone in on that. Yeah. Because like you said, we all have our own struggles. Yes. Some of us share our struggles. Some of us don't. Mm -hmm. Some of us... Um, will be successful others may take a little bit of time but they mm -hmm. will also be successful it's just we all take different paths, paths. right yes and so yeah so my piece of advice is just don't take that seriously because i see that in schools now you know i'll talk to kids i mentor and then they're like well miss lopez like i'm always made fun of x y and c and i say you know just shake it off Don't don't take that to your heart. Mm -mm. You know, like that's just one person opinion. Just one and person's yeah, opinion. Yeah, I don't believe in that. I think you are this person, and believe that. Why couldn't you just focus on what I just said about you? Yes, right. Yes. And so, yeah. So I just see that a lot, and with the mental health, and and just the the feeling of nobody knows, or, or like I see with the, the our Hispanic kids I mentor, and they'll tell me, "Well, Miss Lopez, like my parents don't understand." They don't want me to go to college. Or like I had a student who was wanting to go to UNNK. And like she's the only female in her family. Yeah. And her mom was saying like, no, Miss Lopez, like she has to stay because she needs to take care of me. And I'm getting older. And I'm like, no, like help that young woman. Yes. Right. Like I understand the context of our, like in, I could, I could, relate to the mom I, I have a, I have a daughter and I also want her to be by me always but I also know that we're not designed to stay with our parents no. like our kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna leave yes and not because we're indifferent to that indifferent meaning like you're leaving letting them live their lives that doesn't that doesn't mean that you don't care about them right And just like having those conversations, right? Yeah. And so like with my Hispanic kids, it's like my parents don't understand that I have to take this ACT. My parents don't want me to stay to the after school program because they want me to take care of my little kids. And so like all my little siblings. And so like all of these things is like educating and empowering, educating and empowering. But at the same time, like don't hone in on the negative. The negative. Tune out that. Po focus on the positive. Focus on your end goal. Yes. You know, define your goal and then achieve it. Like, I was reading another thing the other day that talked about, like, when you write something and you have it somewhere where you're reading it constantly. I think our kids need to do that again. They're too much yes. on their iPads, too much on their emails or Positive their phones. affirmation. Exactly. Like, yep. you just yep. write it down, put it on your wall, put it on your mirror, put, put, put it anywhere you want, whatever that goal is. It could be a monthly goal. It could be a daily goal. It could be a yearly goal. It could be five years. Whatever it is, just write something down and achieve it. And when you already achieve it, take it up, replace it with something else. And then that's how you build milestones. And yes. you don't need to be told to do that. Just do it. Like, yeah. do it. Yes. <laughs> don't wait for your parents to tell you Tell that. you. Don't yeah. wait for anybody else to tell you. You just heard it from me. Just whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. If it's go to this quinceañera. Okay, so what are find out what are the steps to get you to that quinceañera. Yes. It might be that you need a ride. It might be that you need to talk to your parents ahead of time. It might be, you know, like make your milestones, accomplish it, and then get to your end goal. 
I love that. I love that because there does have to come a point in everyone's life where they have that resiliency built in or they have that can do it mentality that, you know what, nothing's going to stand in my way. Not what anyone says about me, not what my parents say about me. Like if I want to do this and this is who I truly am and I feel like I'm showing up as my authentic self, like I'm going to have to take these steps to get there. Yes. And you know, and and this is probably going to sound a little bit rude, but it, it is what it is. <laughs> Words are cheap. Yep. Anyone can say whatever, say whatever they want. want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But execution is what matters. Yeah. So, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> Just do something about it. Stop talking. Just do something about it. I love that. It's, I mean, but it's true. It's totally true. It's totally true. And it doesn't have to be like huge monumental steps in the beginning, right? You just do one step each day. Cause I think that that's what a lot of times happens to children and adults. And even to myself, I'll be honest, you know, I'll like set a goal and I'll be like, Oh, it's going to take so much time. It's going to take, it's like, no, just break it up. Just break it up. Just make one phone call. Just go to, you know, part of the of the workout class or whatever you know whatever like you do whatever your goal is like you don't have to um it I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be all or nothing so that's what I because yeah. I hear that with our kids too it's like my mom will never do it <laughs> and I'm like have you even next right nope can you start with that? <laughs> yeah. Let's start small. Yes. Start small. Yeah. Yes. I think you're right. It's for everyone. It's like, seriously, like I felt so intimidated at times just being in, in rooms where I think everyone's smarter than me. And then I'm like, hold on, listen, they're all humans. Yes. They all have a family probably. Yes. And yes. we all share issues. Their issues might seem bigger than mine. But it's all perception. Yes. At the end of the day, I am as capable as they are. Yes. And that's it. And that's it. Yep. And that needs to go on everybody's mirror, right? I am as I am as capable as, as anyone. Yeah, yep. as anyone. Yep. Yeah, and yep. look and put whoever it is that you you compare it constantly to and just like I am that person too. What are what is this person doing that I'm not? Right. And then why are they getting into this and I'm not? Well, because they're doing something. I don't know what that is. Find out. Yeah. Find out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. To ask to take them out. Yeah. Go to lunch with them or call them up or write. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I just, yeah, that's it. There isn't any other formula. No. Just do it. <laughs> um, gosh, there's so many great things in here. And I'm going to ask you a question because um, we're getting ready to like wrap things up. But um what are some of your goals? You've done so much, but what are some of your goals for 2023 going into 2024? Oh, goodness. Well, personally, <laughs> uh, personally, well, I took a risk cutting my hair. So what it's am I? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And you were saying your glasses. Yeah. Itzel is like the most stylish person. So what first up ever. to hear it. No, I mean it. So I'm like, I love, I love the glasses. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just doing other things. Right. And so like, personally, I'm like, okay, so do I want to let, like, I'm trying to define, do I really like this? Do I want to keep like cutting it up sure. so I stay short? So I'm trying to define that. So like, but so one of my goals is like going to be my hair. Yes. So you'll see something different. It's <laughs> short it. or long. It's coming. It's I'm, coming. I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. So just personally, you know, just, you know, that 
And yeah, the glasses is another thing. So I love these glasses. I think I have six pairs now and I'm like, I need to stop. They're the best glasses. Yeah, like I always swap my glasses now and I'm like, oh my God, like that matches this outfit and whatever. Okay, well, that's firstly. Um, but no, for, for me, like like in all seriousness, like just taking, taking one step at a time in the midst of all the noise, like taking time to just reflect, taking time to just be by myself, like literally like going back to long walks and just like being by myself. So that's my personal goal, like just yeah. peace, calmness, silence. Like that's what I'm going for, you know, yeah. more and more of that. Yeah. Because I live a really busy life, so I need to find that. Because that gives me serenity and that's helps so me stabilize. Yes. So that's personally. So Professionally, cute. you know, there are a few things um, that we have in the works. Obviously, in my role as a, as a chief development officer, you know, meet my fundraising goals and support my team to meet their financial goals. Um, and, you know, like, let's see what happens with the leadership. Uh, we are going through a succession planning. So, like, making sure that that transition is smooth and that our funders and all of our, you know, uh, relationships continue to, like, strengthen and grow in the next year. Um, for community, we definitely want to see the Plaza de la Raza come to fruition. We want to see all of the projects um, in, being invested in East Omaha start and also finish we don't want to just get them started we want to see them finish and i'm going to be very um very in front of a lot of people to make sure that these community projects start and finish and so if i have nothing else to get done in omaha i want that to happen and and we'll see what the future departs but yeah for those are my three goals that's those are amazing <laughs> Meet my financial goals, make sure the transition happens smoothly, and for the community, make sure that, that all of the East Omaha projects happen. I love it. I love it. I can tell I can tell you one thing, that any of those projects that you're heading up, that they're going to be wildly successful. I know that. Finding the solitude and walking in the park, give me a call on that, because I'm trying to do that, too. A lot of meditation and quiet time and, and uh, is more challenging, like, to fit in, but so important. Yes. Yeah. My neighbors uh, know that I'm going through a lot, like, like a lot of noise when they see me walking in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, oh, there oh. she is again. <laughs> like, that's probably the only time I have today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 p.m. I'm walking in the neighborhood. But I mean, that's it is what it is. It but is I it. have to do it. You have to do it. You mm -hmm. have to find ways to ground yourself. So. Yes. Um, well, I, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of everything that you're doing. I'm beyond grateful and honored that you were willing to share not only your story, but um, about how just honestly everything that you're doing in your community, how you're inspiring and mentoring others. Um, and I just can't thank you enough for being on the program today, for sure. Thank well, you. No, gracias a ti. Thanks to you <laughs> for inviting me. And, you know, everybody just feel free to reach out. Um, you know, my schedule is busy too, but I'm always willing to have a call and a conversation if I'm available. And, and if you're willing to wait too, because sometimes it'll be a month or, or two before I can uh, chat in person. But, hey, 
whatever he takes, right? That's right. And I wanted, I, and on that, thank you for reminding me. So where can our viewers, if they do want, if they want to get in touch with you, and I'm sure that they will, um, what's like your social media, your website, email, yeah. anything you're willing to share? Yeah, honestly, LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. I check in on my LinkedIn one because I had to do it for work anyways. And so just reach out to me on LinkedIn. But if you're not on LinkedIn, just follow me on Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, then just send me an email. <laughs> I love it. You know, Google us on uh, at the Amy Institute. All of our contact information is on our website. So amyinstitute.org. That's where you'll find how to get a hold of me. But also anyone on my team. If you're thinking about getting into tech, we have an amazing program called the Tech Career Navigators who you can connect with, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about a career in technology, this million-dollar decision. That person can sign you up for a workshop. That person can also direct your kids for free programming in STEM. So, like, anything that you may think of for you, your kids, your neighbors, whoever may need a job in tech, or a career in tech, as I said, um, you can find uh, all of that on our website, emmyinstitute.org. Thanks. It's phenomenal. Thank you so much. And thank you to our viewers. Um, we just want to give a special shout out to betterhelp.com, who is one of our sponsors. Um, if you're unfamiliar with betterhelp.com, they assist you in getting linked up with a mental health expert that can help you. It's um, uh, various uh, individuals throughout the United States, and it's all virtual, um, making it very accessible. And also just a big thank you to our other sponsor, the Nebraska Foundation for Suicide Prevention and all that they do to increase awareness of mental health initiatives throughout our state um, and to help um, aid in that effort. And um, thank you once again for tuning in to Education with an Edge. And thank you, Itzel Lopez, for being with us here today. Um, if you're a young person, we are very grateful for you. We need your love. We need your light. And tune in next time. Bye-bye. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jaquellelane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.